Hi, I'm Scott Martin from Bonsai Matsu, and this is the Bonsai Stuff Podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. This uh, this episode of the podcast, I'm going to start by talking a little bit about fertilising. Had a couple of questions come through over the last couple of weeks about it because we're in the um, the summer period and just some um, just some curiosity about what to what to do, what not to do, and all that sort of stuff. So. I thought, um, thanks to thanks to the inquiry mainly from Jaden in South Australia. I thought I'd um, I'd start with uh, covering off what my approach to fertilising is, what I think's appropriate for me and my trees and my situation, and just cover off on some some basics too that hopefully can um, can help provide some uh, some kind of daylight, I suppose, as to what you might want to consider for your own bonsai and your own situation. So. Um, Without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so fertilising for me is one of those, um, uh, one of the essentials, one of the the core things that I do with my bonsai that uh, I'm pretty religious about, that um, I, I push pretty hardly to. As, um, as something which is uh, is one of the key elements to successfully uh, developing and keeping bonsai for a very long period of time, and allowing you to it's one of the one of the key components to achieving your objectives, which is I suppose more important than than anything. So if you break it down to um, to some of the basics things like the the, the core elements of of what your bonsai need. Okay, they are sun. That's a that's a no-brainer. They are water. There's uh, airflow is one that I consider very important as well. Removal of fungal spores and that sort of stuff, and just also being um, in a not sheltered environment. That's where those sort of three first three come from. Uh, next thing they need is nutrients through the supply of, of food, fertilizer. And the last one that they need is soil air, which I'll talk about later. So that's the um, that's the aeration of the soil or the soil air cavities, spaces between the the soil particles in the in the root system. So that's some there's some pretty big uh, big ones. Sounds really simple when you say it fast, but they're the they're the core things that you're going to need to supply in one shape or another. Now, if you're compromising. On any of those, be it um, not enough sunlight because you're on a balcony and you're facing against away from the sun, and they get very little sunlight. Well, there's a there's a price to pay for that. Same as as water. You know, if you limited to only watering, you know, at restricted times as opposed to providing water when the trees need them, need it when your bonsai needs the water, then there's a compromise. That's that's a price that's going to be paid somewhere down the track. So I can't change anyone's personal situation, but you've got to make the decision with your bonsai as to where you keep them for the best possible environment to allow them to maximise their potential for growth and for development and for survival, ultimately. That's that's what it comes down to. So when you, um, when you break it down as to how, you know, very, very, very simply how you, how you how you plan how your bonsai lives and how it survives. So as long as you've got water, they need carbon dioxide and sunlight. 
they can then photosynthesize. So that's when they have the chemical reaction and the uh, the plant within the leaves, they produce sugars or food, glucose and oxygen. So thanks for the oxygen, really appreciate it because we'd all be buggered without it. So it's nice to grow bonsai because we're doing something for ourselves. Anyway, so then the, uh, then the sugars get broken down uh, by enzymes and then that provides energy to the, to the tree, to the plant, and that causes it to grow. So what the, uh, what the plant also needs is uh, nutrients from the soil that help them grow. Now, it's these nutrients that we're adding to our bonsai through the form of fertilisers. So we, it's, it, it, it's a core element. You know, if, we, if you break down your, the soil that you're using and, you know, the vast majority of what we, we're using in the mix these days is, is um, like pumice-based, I, I presume. I'm, I'm assuming I do, um, and scoria, but also have pine nuggets in there which ultimately break down and provide nitrogen to the trees through, through, um, through the, this form of supply of nutrients. So they're getting something from my soil anyway. It's not like they're getting nothing. And if you're in a pure inorganic mix, well, then this supply of nutrients is even more important. So... You need to um, you need to see it as not as an optional thing that you're doing with your bonsai, but looking at feeding your trees, fertilising your trees as as a mandatory. It's it's one of the, it's one of the, the the core elements of of what they need. So if you um, if you're skimping on that, if you're busy doing other things rather than providing fertiliser and nutrients to your trees when they need it, then there's a there's a consequence. There's a there's a cost to it. So, as I said, I, I'm talking about my scenario, my situation, and what I do with my trees. And I do um, I do fertilise appropriately, and it's 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 quite complex. There's um there's a basic approach that I use that I tell everyone when they're first starting bonsai that uh, allows them to come to grips with it, and it provides a uh, a core basis for fertilising. Your trees. Now, I use the teabag fertilizing method, and if you wonder what that is, then jump onto YouTube onto my the Bonzo Matsu channel because you'll um, you'll see that there's a really short video on the um, the teabag fertilizing method and the fertilizer that I use. It's not not complex. It's not um, it's not a special secret mix that I go and buy from uh, from a, a backyard dealer somewhere. It's it's commonly available to everybody. It's um, it's an organic mix. Uh, in two forms, one is a, a pellet, one is a, a powder that get put together into a tea bag and um, then placed onto the surface of the pot and held in place with uh, a wooden skewer, chopstick, uh, toothpick, anything just to stop the um, the animals from uh, from dragging them away from the trees too much. And um, whenever I water, I'm offering um, offering. The uh, the nutrients come through into the into the, the soil through the fine mesh of the tea bag, and the sediment that sticks around stays in the tea bag because, as I said, I'll talk about soil air in a little bit. But that's um, that's one thing that that sediment can take away. It can take up. Uh, it can fill the soil air spots within the pot, and therefore clog them up and and have a negative impact on the on the bonsai. So. I keep it in the tea bag because I'm getting the nutrients from it, but I'm not getting the sediment, which is great. It also means that when I want to start fertilizing, put the tea bags on, and when I want to stop fertilizing, 
I can take the tea bags off. So that start stop uh, is really important, which I'll, I'll talk about. So the the approach this this first approach I talk about with with fertilising of my trees is what I call the McDonald's approach. I'm not, not promoting McDonald's. What I'm saying to you is that you get a, a certain level of expectation when you go to one of these these chains and it's the same pretty much worldwide. So my standardised approach that I let people know at the very start of their, of their bonsai journey or while they're still coming to grips with so much else that we deal with with bonsai and, we, and our learning curve is enormous. I try to make fertilising very clear that it's essential but secondly that it's not hard to do. Everything I do, it's got to be simple. It's got to be repeatable. That this this method is so. The basic method is this: I fertilise during spring, and I fertilise during autumn, and I do not fertilise during summer. I don't fertilise during winter. I'll break that down a little bit further. But so during the months of spring, I work on the basic premise that a tea bag of this fertiliser generally lasts about one month, give or take. I don't know exactly. I've never done tests on it, but based on how the tea bag starts to break down and based on the the crumbling of the of the pellets inside the the tea bag then basically I work on a, a one month period as a pretty good window as again it's a general rule of thumb it might be less it might be more but let's just stick with for for ease and convenience one tea bag or each tea bag will basically last a one month period right so that's it so during spring I'll fertilise by putting one tea bag on per bonsai per month during that growing season of spring. Now, I'm in Melbourne, Australia, and we have very clearly defined growing seasons of of spring, summer, autumn slash fall, and winter. So if you're in a different environment to that, then obviously your fertilising is going to be different. But I'm talking about the initial growing period coming out of uh, some kind of a dormancy period, like a winter dormancy period. Which is what I have. So, so I use three tea bags. One in one in one for each month of spring. Generally, our spring our, our seasons are very much almost calendar driven. It's not it's not if or when. It's it's like now. It's it's ticked over. The calendar says it's spring. Bang! The season changes. The weather changes. So therefore, the fertilising this McDonald's approach is one bag per month during the the, the season of spring. So there's three tea bags used for the three month period. Tea bags then come off during the summer period. There's a three-month summer period. So then autumn slash fall starts. And during the fall period, I double fertilise. So that's two tea bags per month during the season of autumn. So there's six bags. So then winter comes around and I remove the fertiliser. So throughout the entire year, on average, under this very basic approach, I will use nine tea bags of fertilizer per bonsai. Now, the bonsai pot size changes and physically, you know, you may not be able to fit uh, as many tea bags onto your pot You and you just compensate for it. So it doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule, but as a general approach, that's the approach that I advise and it's the, the, the advice that I, I follow as, as a very basic core fundamental of providing nutrients to your trees as one of the core elements that they need to survive. Okay, so I'll break it down a little bit further. I'll, I'll talk about um, the seasons first and, and why 
it's important to fertilize during that period, then I'll go on to variations that I make to that system. So for the more advanced uh, advanced care for my for my bonsai. So during spring, if you break it down, you'll know that spring is about foliage growth. So you got I'll, I'll just use the the basic premise of a, um, a, a deciduous tree. It's come out of dormancy. Buds have started to swell. Foliage starts to grow. The tree starts using stored resources that it's put into its system to start to grow. One, roots, and and secondly, foliage. You know, what happens above happens below. So you start getting the use of, of existing nutrients to, to start to supply growth. So I'm providing fertilizer to the tree during this period because it's going to primarily go towards foliage growth. Okay, so that's that's spring. So then summer comes around and one of the questions I got asked is, you know, why don't I fertilize during summer? Now, for me, you can. Summer, and, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of people do and a lot of people listening to this podcast will, um, will fertilize um, through the summer period. No problems. Do it, do what you've got to do. Do what you like to do. But this is this is what my approach is, and I'll explain the reason why. Now, I don't fertilize during the summer period because we have temperature fluctuations where it's it's cool, it's hot, it's cool, it's hot, as do most places around the world during the summer period. And I find that your trees, when it gets too hot, they'll go into a summer dormancy period and stop growing. But then, when it hits a sweet spot with temperature and 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 daylight hours and that sort of thing. They'll push out another. They'll keep pushing foliage growth, and I, my concern is that that's this summer foliage growth that we get hasn't had a chance to harden off. So when we get our extremes of you know forty odd degree Celsius days that we 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 do get, they pop up or the high thirties. My concern is that that new fresh foliage growth that is very soft and doesn't have a waxy coating on to protect it from the from the sun will get damaged and will get burned. So therefore the tree is going to waste resources pushing this new growth, which is ultimately going to do nothing for the tree anyway. And I find that by the time the trees get into that summer period, they're pretty exhausted, especially by the, the latter part of, of summer. So I, I tend to hold back the fertilizer during the summer period because I don't want to encourage the tree to push any foliage growth. And I just give it a bit of a break, and I focus more on on protection from the extremes and providing water to the trees. Then, when autumn comes around, we've still got nice daylight hours. You know, days are getting shorter, well and truly, as they are for us now. If you're in the northern hemisphere, you're on the incline. You're heading towards the the sweet spot of of, of your spring period. We're heading towards our our autumn fall period in in southern hemisphere. So. The daylight hours are reducing and the temperature, not yet, but it will start to decline as we get towards towards autumn. And then the trees will go into that growth period again. Won't be as much growth as what we had during the spring period because the daylight hours will keep shortening and the temperature will, st- it will continue to drop and get colder. So the initial burst of the autumn period will be foliage growth. Then the tree will stop and it will go, right, that's it. I've got to start acting like a squirrel and tucking away my nuts for the for the winter period because there's a dormancy coming and I need to suddenly build up my resources. And that's the reason why I double fertilise during the autumn period because it's instead of being for all for foliage, the initial part is for foliage growth, but the second part is for strengthening of the tree. Now, I, I, I heavily feed the trees and there's always... 
There's always exceptions to the rule, but if you take, for instance, uh, my Japanese white pine, I don't fertilise my Japanese white pine during the spring period because it contributes to to lengthening of, of needles on the new spring candles and it starts to push out the internode length. So I hold back the fertilising during that spring period of my white pines, but when it gets to autumn, they get extra fertiliser. They're one of the exceptions, so not two bags. They might get four bags per month because I really want to push that strengthening period to get through the dormancy and then when spring comes around, they've got enough built-up resources to allow them to to grow healthily through that throughout that that spring period they also get a fertilizing a fertilizer towards the end of spring towards the start of summer too but that's a that's another whole 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 saga to to talk about so i'm just sticking with this mcdonald's approach so the basic is one bag during the growing periods of per month during the growing periods of spring and autumn with a double up in autumn and the reason it's doubled up in autumn is because it's going to uh, allow the tree to increase the storing of resources to get through the winter dormancy. So when spring comes around, off they go like a like a racehorse out the gates. So that's that's basically the the approach that I use with fertilising and the reasons why. Why I don't fertilise during winter because obviously the trees are dormant and they're not going to be taking up nutrients at that time. I'm sure you could, but I choose not to. Now, I do use the organic fertilisers very simply. I don't use the inorganics. Now, inorganics, one of the most common ones that we have in Australia, which I presume is a worldwide one, is called Osmocote. It's um, like a little uh, yellow granular ball, which uh, often comes in a lot of the um, potting mixes that you'll you'll buy from from garden outlets or hardware stores uh, automatically to, to provide food to the trees. Now, I don't use those because I can't get the control with those. Uh, if you've got a situation where your dog keeps eating the blood and bone that you're putting on your tree, well, you've got to do something. Anything's better than nothing, but I'm talking about my situation. I don't have that problem, and I find that I've got greater control over my fertiliser by putting it on and taking it off when it suits me as opposed to incorporating any kind of fertiliser into my soil mix for any of my bonsai. It's different when I've got you know pot plants or something like that. That's a, another another story, but... These are trees in pots that we're talking about, and I find that this this method of fertilizer application really works works best for for me and for my situation. Okay, so probably one of the um, most boring things you're going to hear talking about bonsai is um is the word soil air now um i love it it's it's something which uh which i think about a lot especially when i'm repotting my trees or when i'm thinking about what medium to use on my trees now it's no uh, no hidden secret that the the soil mix that i use for my bonsai is made up of pumice scoria and pine nuggets now equal portions nothing whiz bang no um no seven to two to fifteen ratios or anything like that. It's just one to one to one. And I've found that over a long period of time that it gives me the results that I want and it's consistent, it's easy, and it's repeatable. Keep keep coming back to that repeatability. And I know that I can almost bank on 
the type of result that I'm going to get. So therefore, everything I do, my watering, my feeding, the positioning of my trees, it all falls into line and becomes quite simple and easy to manage, relatively simple and easy to manage because I know exactly what's, uh, what, what the result's going to be over a long period of time. So soil air uh, is very different from uh, above ground air in that it's got a higher concentration of carbon dioxide. But the soil air is needed by many of the microorganisms that release the plant nutrients to the to the soil. So you're going to find that if you're fertilising like crazy and you've got a soil mix that's very dense, um, like a typical typical soil or potting mix that you buy at, uh, buy at one of these garden centres, then you'll find that it's almost well, – I've got to be careful how I say this. It's, I, I, I believe it's almost useless because there's no real soil there between those very fine particles. It becomes very dense and compressed and therefore the microorganisms can't do what they need to do to provide the nutrients from the fertiliser that you're applying to the roots. So therefore you might be putting you know 100 bags on – that are just useless, and your tree is still going to be, still going to be in a very sickly state because even though you're providing it, it can't do anything with it. So there's got to be a balance between the soil air and the soil water, because the water will uh, take the soil air away. So you need to make sure that with you know you don't want your trees, your bonsai staying sopping wet because that water that's in the mix is taking away the soil there that is essential. So this is why, you know, you don't, when you go away, you don't put your bonsai into a, a tub of water because first thing that water is going to take away is the soil there. What's it going to do then? You know, take away the, uh, the ability for these microorganisms to, to do their job. So therefore your, your tree is effectively going to drown now. There are there's always exceptions. So I just wanted to talk about um, how your potting mix comes into the effectiveness of your fertilising, which is what this podcast is about. He's talking about fertiliser and it's not to get into repotting or soil mixes or anything like that. But for me, I find that my my mix of especially the, the pumice and the scoria do a really, really good job in providing those little those soil air the, the aeration that the the bonsai so the bonsai needs to get soil uh, soil air so it's um it's not it's you know it's not a fad it's not uh, something which will change over time I thoroughly believe that you know I, I've said it before I'm always open to to better suggestions as to uh, as to what we can do and and this is where I love Akadama. I think it has a lot of a lot of benefits, but as that akadama breaks down and becomes a powdery mix, the first thing it's going to take away from from the bonsai inside the pot, if it's you know left too long between repotting cycles, is going to be those soil air cavities. If you if you keep your repotting frequency on on track, then it's not a problem. It's same with with any bonsai. You know you can you can get away with a lot as long as you you're consistent about it. So I um I, I think that for me based on affordability of the components that um, I find that the, the mix that I use works really well. And and, and fertilising is, is, like I said at the very start, fertilisation of my bonsai is, is extremely important to me and I'm, 
I'm, I'm adamant that it makes a massive difference to the overall health and well-being and and the the rate at which your bonsai develop. You know, it might be you know that the rule of or the guideline of one to two. You know, one branch divides into two. In theory, sounds great, but if your tree's not getting what it needs when it needs it, that not every branch will develop that one to two. Whereas if you've got a really strong, healthy bonsai, then that one to two happens quite easily because there's enough to go around. You know, the, the tree's getting what it needs. And I started the podcast by talking about, you know, sun, water, airflow, nutrients, soil, air. As, as long as you're ticking all of those those key fundamentals of the care for your bonsai, the very basics, then pretty much you're doing a really good job and you deserve a deserve a bit of a pat on the back because it's um it's it's over over such a such a long period that we focus on these things, you know, the twelve month period, everything that we do with our trees is about their development, about their structure, about their health. You know, so repotting at the end of the dormancy period before the, the spring growing period for me is okay, so Focus on soil air. Let's get that part right. Why is it important? Because when I start watering, I want that water to flow through to give the trees what they need from from the water component side. But I also want that 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 air to be there, that soil air to be there, in place to allow the microorganisms to to do what they've got to do. So when it gets to feeding time, I can make sure that my fertilization is going to be one hundred percent effective. So it's it, it all sort of comes together. There's not there's not one key aspect that we cover off with the care of our bonsais. It's so much that we so much that we do that comes together together and they're all like pieces of a puzzle that go together and at the end of the day the, the beautiful puzzle comes together to be a magnificent bonsai that you get to sit there and enjoy year after year. Right, to wrap up this uh, this podcast on fertilizing primarily, I um, I want to talk about the variation to the to the guideline that I use this McDonald's approach. Now, understanding that uh, your spring fertilizing is going towards foliage growth, there's obviously got to be exceptions to the rule because if you're if you're providing excessive or you're providing um, nutrients. To a tree, it's going to result in you're providing food to a tree. It's going to result in foliage growth. Foliage growth can get uh, get a little bit out of control. So, as your tree, uh, determining what stage of development your tree is at, determines what level of fertilizer I apply. So, if I look at one end of the scale, I've got a tree that's that's in development, just starting its life as a bonsai. It's you know, I'm not I'm not focusing on too much other than than trunk and the bari you know, base root system development. It gets bucket loads of fertilizer, bucket loads because I want rampant growth. I want uncontrollable growth because my focus is purely on the trunk line. Then I start moving down the line. Okay, now I'm starting to work on on the the branch primary branch structure, and I want thickening of of branches in that area. It's still getting bucket loads of fertilizer because you know it's not just one bag in in spring it might be four bags per month because i really want to push push the envelope as hard as i can to get that strong development of of or strong elongation or lengthening of growth to allow me to develop my primary branches 
jump somewhere down the line and I'm starting to work on the the ramification of the tree. So the tree's a lot more developed and it's getting to a refinement stage. Then the fertilizer starts to slow down. So that initial burst in in spring might be one bag per month because I, I want to give it something because it's still got some development to do, but it's not not quite enough to, to be rampant growth. I don't want things to get out of control. And then as it gets towards the end of spring, so the last last month of so of spring, instead of being one bag, it might go to two bags. So therefore during the spring period, I'm going to use four bags on a, on this tree because I don't want uncontrollable growth at the start. I want to keep keep the strength up on this thing. But towards the end, when it's starting to run out of puff, then I want to start topping it back up again so it goes into summer nice and healthy. So if I, if I think about uh, the, the tree's growth like a breath of air, during autumn they breathe in, they hold their breath during the winter period and then spring comes around and they breathe out this long breath. So by the end of spring, they're almost out of breath. So it's important for me to have that as an analogy in the back of my head that my fertilising is going to be used at a point to try and bring up the strength, like a like a little tail towards the end of end of spring for a tree that I'm I'm topping topping and then right now push it a little bit harder as it goes in towards spring. Then I get to the complete other end of the scale where I've got a, a tree that's refined that's that's near enough to what I'd consider perfect. It's fine, delicate growth. It's very much in control. I've got to be very careful about my fertilising on, on a tree like that because too much too early, while it's still at the start of letting its breath out that it's that's drawn in and held, I can find that my growth gets very thick and very coarse very, very quickly and my internode length jumps away as well because I'm supercharging the tree. I'm giving it too much. So therefore, I might find that on a tree that's in refinement, my fertilising method might be let the first month of spring go with nothing, zero. The second month, have a look at it. Keep an eye on where that growth's at. Is it starting to slow down? Is it starting to have its? It's had its first haircut. Make sure there's no swelling of the secondary buds that are that are coming after that first push of spring growth. My internode should be nice and tight by that point. Then I go through and maybe towards the latter latter part of that second month of spring, then I give it a tea bag. And then what I'll do is that one tea bag might last the the five or six week period through the following month as well. Or it might be that it might leave it for the first three weeks and then add another bag for the last couple of weeks of spring just to make sure that I've got my balancing right now. It's 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 not a system that I can I can say this is what I do every single time because it's so many different factors to take into account. If the trees a refined tree's just been repotted, then the the tree will be looking to push root growth because it's got access to so much more soil air. It's it's its roots are going to go rampant. What happens down below happens above. So if those roots start going rampant, then the foliage is going to start going rampant. So my fertilizing on a tr- uh, refined tree that's just been freshly repotted might be it doesn't get anything until the very last part of the last month of spring because I want to make sure that it is it is completely in control going into that that summer period. It's got some strength, but my growth can still be managed. Whereas a tree that possibly hasn't been repotted or a fine tree hasn't been repotted for maybe three years, four years, something like that, you might find that my fertilising might actually 
begin at the start of spring because the tree's nice and slow. I know that the tree roots have started to fill the, the cavities in the pot. The pot's becoming very, very tight. I've got to be careful with my watering. So therefore, the tree might need a little bit of a boost a bit earlier. So I don't fertilizing is one of those things that you can't you can't write a rule book for it it's it's something that you need to develop as you get to know your trees and you'll make mistakes you'll you'll make mistakes but that's where I always come back to my initial approach the McDonald's approach which is the safety side one bag per month during the growing season of spring with two during the the season of of autumn so nine bags per year per tree is a really safe guideline and you can't go too wrong with it but as it gets to the pointy end of your your bonsai development you're going to need to make sure that you make adjustments to it also there's also other species i talked about white pines before where you've got to be careful because that fertilization can lead to to a lengthening that can't be stopped you know and if you get a tree that is not able to be you know uh, decandled or or have candle cutting and but back budding forced on it in some some way with pruning, then you've got to be really careful about your fertilizing as well. But that doesn't mean that you don't fertilize them altogether. It just means that you need to ver- develop a technique that ensures that your tree, your bonsai stays as healthy as it possibly can be and you achieve the growth targets that you desire, that you want to make as well. Well, that's a wrap for this uh, this podcast. I hope, uh, hope no one fell asleep on that one. <laughs> like I said, it's one of those ones that I love. I love talking about, and I find that once I start, it's it's pretty hard to stop. But one of the uh, one of the ways, or one of my my approaches to showing people the benefits of fertilising, especially the first time I get to meet them, or the first time they come into my workshop, or is so the method that I use is to actually walk them around my garden first. And say, okay, look at this. Have a, have a look at the trees. Look how healthy they are. Look how vibrant they are. Especially now during, the, you know, we've we've passed past the peak of summer and we're heading towards the end of summer. Now we've still got a lot of hot weather to come. But it's when you walk around, you look at the trees, and you see how healthy they are and how lush they are. And it's then we sit down and go, right now, this is how I do it. This is my watering regime. This is why I water like that. This is the soil mix I use. And this is this is the key ingredient which comes down to, to feeding your trees. So it is um it is super important and I, I hope you hope you took something out of it as as well. So um just uh, wanna finish by saying thank you for everyone that's been in touch with me. Love it as always. I always finish up by saying this, but it's uh, it's really nice, really nice to hear so much from so many nice people around the world and it uh, it uh, encourages me to to continue on and uh, the um the podcast, the next edition of the podcast, I'm going to um talk about the uh, the second trip that I had, the second learning trip to um, to Japan where I went to Kokoen in Osaka and it was a very different trip to what I'd had when I went to Aichiyan in, in Nagoya and it was really interesting to pick up the differences and the, the different approaches that people have. I mean, ultimately, it's about magnificent bonsai. And that was um, that was an absolute given. But just different approaches that people have when it comes to tree development and their focus on styling and and all that sort of stuff, which I, I found really interesting. And it's it's something which I don't think a lot of people will um, will have been able to do is go to through different nurseries and and delve into to their care. So I think you'll find that one really really interesting. It's going to be um, it's going to be another interesting podcast. So and uh, yeah. 
keep on keep on rolling with your with your bonsai. Look after them if you're towards the end of winter. Start getting ready for repotting. If you're coming towards the end of summer, make sure you enjoy the the warm weather and watch out for any any heat waves that are that are coming and and give you give your bonsai a cuddle for me. Make sure you spend as much time with them as you possibly can because I know that uh, I know I'm loving it at the moment. There's lots of growth to work on, and I've got plenty of junipers to be pruning back. And as soon as I hit stop on this podcast, that's exactly what I'm going to do. So um, take care and thank you and happy bonsai. <laughs>